Hi, I'm Justin King, and welcome to the Blue Chip Academy. As a five-star recruit, all-Big Ten corner, NFL vet, and Power 5 recruiting coordinator, I understand the emotions that go along with the recruiting process. The Blue Chip Academy is here to provide education, critical insights, and mentorship through the recruiting process for families and athletes alike. When athletes and their families have proper education and guidance, they're able to make better decisions and set themselves up for long-term success. Blue Chip Academy provides the resources and information that empowers athletes to create their own blue chip blueprint and take ownership of their careers. Blue Chip Academy exists because when athletes and their families are armed with the right information, they're able to make the decisions for themselves that positively impact their future. Again, I'll be your host, Justin King, and welcome to Blue Chip Academy. Yeah, welcome back to the Blue Chip Academy 2023. I guess this episode will be coming out in the new year, but we got a special guest, man. Six-year NFL pro, former Tennessee volunteer, still getting, I don't know if he's still in the record books in Louisiana in the track in the uh, track and field sector, but uh, national champion coach for the eighth grade football team in the FBU circuit, you know what I mean? So, like, congrats on that. Congrats on that, man. Let's welcome Jonathan Wade. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. And, and to correct your earlier question, um, three-time record holder still to this day in Louisiana. Don't do that. Still to this day? Still to this day. Bro, that's impressive. I, I can't hold you. Like, like, Louisiana state record holder in track and field. And what's that, 20 years ago? I don't want to date you too about much. Yeah, 2002, for sure. Yeah, there was a kid that there was a kid that almost broke the two hundred record. He's currently at LSU, and I think he just won the four hundred hurdles. And he's like a sophomore. He was the second. He was the closest person to breaking the two hundred record. Oh, for real? Yeah, named Sean Burrell. Shout out to Squirrel. <laughs> okay, shout out. So, so just for the people that are listening, man, what are some of the times? What are the records in? Uh, the fifty five. When we get into the stuff about the. Rec- Cause we get into the recruiting process and you start talking about getting offers, just give a baseline. Yeah, for sure. The, the 55, which they don't currently run anymore. Um, is a six twenty two. Oh the, man. Um, People don't know that, man. What's give me the hundred, 200. <laughs> Whatever. It don't matter if they know it or not. That's a record still standing to the day. Was, uh, <laughs> 10.21 at the time. It was the seventh yeah. <laughs> ever ran by a high schooler at the time. 1021? 1021 was the seventh fastest time in the history of the 100 at the time. Oof. The 200 was 20.58. 20.58. 20.58. In high school? In high school. Broke the, broke my previous record in the 200 from the year before at 21.03 into a negative headwind. Bro, I, I, I'll run it down for you. Oh man, so you so you listen listen up, we got a track and field guy and we'll get into the coaching aspect of everything, but Wade is focused and uh specialized on the skill development aspect at that seventh to eighth grade range, which is very innovative at the time. Just is football culture, right? I mean, outside of quarterbacks, a lot of times we talk about oh, there's a emphasis on just the athletic development so we'll get into that but somebody with that type of speed in the background so i'm gonna stun a little bit because like at the combine i ran 431 and way ran 437 so he never could hold those records over me but let's and i get it hey i mean hey man hey listen i can't say anything about that you did 
I'm not gonna mention the fact that you know I was told to to gain weight because it would look better, you know, to the scouts, you know, which is kind of stuff that goes on in that time. Not gonna mention that I was almost two hundred pounds, you know. You know, I'm not going to mention how much I kind of worked on the 40, actually, you know, because, you know, it was God-given. But, hey, man, you ran that 40. Oh, okay, bro. okay. Hey, we can stay there, not manufactured. I'm cool, I'm cool, I'm cool. So, man, let's jump into it, man. So, coming up in Louisiana, mm -hmm. I'm Shreveport, right? So, that's basically East Texas right, a little sure. bit. Well, the high school, you went to a pretty pretty famous high school. What was the name of it? Evangel Christian Academy. Like this many people were Evangel there. Christian. This many people was there. I graduated 88 <laughs> people in my class, 88, and four of them I had never seen. 88 them. people. 88 people, and four of them I saw the first time at graduation day. So that's that's wild because I, I found out, well, I mean, I was a kid of AD in high school because I kind of knew about the top high schools in the country, but you guys were a top high school because, if I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, John David Booty was you was your uh, one of your quarterbacks yes. at your school, right? My senior year, absolutely. Yeah, so – during the time that I was coming out, you know, that was one of the first uh, prospects that made a decision to go and enroll in school early. And I was like, early, what's, right? What's that about? Like, yeah, yeah, like, what's that about? Good. And it was like the school, uh, you know, your school, Evangel Christian down there. And, you know, after you guys had put a lot of different guys, I can't name off some of the prospects off the top of my head. 11. Who was that coach? In my senior class. So you guys graduated 88 people and then you put 11 D1 players out your senior year. Plus, plus Sophia Young, who went to Baylor and won a national championship in um, women's basketball. Ah, uh, okay, okay, Evangel Christian, y'all got some. Okay, East Texas, Shreveport. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's interesting, man. We talk, no, so you we talked about. I mean, obviously the track background and different things of that nature. Did you play any other sports when you were coming up, or was it just pretty much track football? I was the most. Natural at baseball, believe it or not. I don't know if I've ever even told you that. That's what I did the best. It was just super boring. It was boring. Um, and I felt like my speed worked against me as a kid because people wanted me just to get on base and steal. And I wanted to hit and pitch and do all the other stuff. But they just wanted to use the speed part of it, which made it boring in a weird way. So I didn't stick with it. I, play, I, I, I stuck with it all the way through my sophomore year in high school. I got asked about it at, um, at Tennessee by the baseball team. I did one radio show, and they asked the baseball team ganged up on me and asked me if I wanted to come out and play. And there was just no way I was. I, mean, I had a sour taste in my mouth. But now the bags they get, oh my gosh, I was so dumb. <laughs> now that happens to a lot of guys that are coming up in the baseball culture. I think that they, whether it's just not feeling comfortable, the older you get in the baseball culture, right? Or like you said, it gets boring. The older you get, the better you are, the better pitchers are coming, the less balls that are coming in the outfield. You know, you hit five like out golf, of 10 probably. balls. It's just the same thing over and over and over. Yeah, at least golf, you're swinging. If you saw it, you're at least swinging 100 plus times. So like you're, you're going <laughs> after it. Yeah, I mean, That's and, true. And baseball, man, because trust me, I played baseball and I was sorry. I was, I was sorry in baseball every year I played. It was, I don't know if it was just a character building thing that my people put me in, but I was good one time and it was because uh, the way that the, the ages fell, right? Yeah. So I was like, I was a May birthday. So I was always playing with like a little older kids. You know, baseball is a skill development sport. Like it wasn't like I was putting in crazy time in the outfield batting and things of that in that realm or whatever. But yeah, it was it was a it was a humbling experience that you had to continue to work on and just to feel uh, development. But the one time that I did play, I will say the one time that I played with my own age group, I was like 12, 13 or something like that. And I bought out. It was like a whole uh, it was a whole tournament season. And it was actually 
when the my recruiting process happened, I told the story early, but I was running bases, like you said, the speed. Yeah. One of the high school yeah. coaches was in the area and was like, hey, sure. I think you should come out and, you know, come to this high school and play football for real because we have some speed and different things sure. that, that you're showing on the baseball diamond. But I got connected to my high school from baseball first. Really? Yeah, I wasn't supposed to run track at my school. I just went out there because my friends was out there for real. I was supposed to be out there playing baseball and football. Interesting. I didn't. Yeah. I, I didn't realize that. So when you got to Evangel Christian and you started playing, like when did your recruiting process kind of get picked up? Start for me as a high school athlete. For you, so as a high school athlete. Man, my junior year, I was late. I wasn't like everybody else, but there was so much of it around always because. Um, you remember Brock Berlin, um, just USA Today. Uh, he was my quarterback for two years. So the recruiting was always around my school. So it was always in your face as a young guy. And man, I didn't play until my sophomore year either. You didn't just play on our team. Ah, so you were, okay. So you were in that culture where you had to kind of wait your turn. Absolutely. To, to get on the field. I started one year in high school every game. One year every game straight. And that was my senior year. I got some backstories to that, but like, I, yeah, one full but, year. So what? So hold up. So you're running ten two, you're running ten two hundred meters and oh, 20, twenty point after after that. The ten two. I'm saying if you, I, I'm <laughs> just saying if you're hitting those type of numbers, you should be running something close. I, if you run a ten six, ten seven, at one point you had to run ten seven, ten eight early. Like if you run a ten two, so I mean y'all just had speed out the wazoo, or like, what, what was the deal with you not getting any burn until? Ooh, You're senior private year. Private school, private school, and eighty-eight Kalahali. people. Say what? With eighty-eight people? Yeah, bro. Just with the, we had a system and we had people in place, but it was a private school and it wasn't necessary. You know, it was. Let me see. How can I say this? It was. You were gonna play depending on how you know who you were and stuff like that. Who your family was to the to the team and stuff like that. And I didn't fall into that, and I was. Behind people that I, I was told after my junior year by my defense, I was told after my junior year that the reason that I did not play was because they wanted to give some other kids some chances to get a scholarship. I mean, it still happens today. Even some some kids that uh, I consult with in the Blue Chip Academy and one of my coaching programs, you guys check that out. Hit me up if you're interested. But going through the process and like hearing from a it's like a quarterback dealing with an older uh, a quarterback in front of him that's a senior that's trying to get an opportunity but I guess he's clearly the better quarterback from talent standpoint from a future standpoint but the head coach is concerned about um the senior and that's like and that's crazy because that's a that's a that's a that's a pretty impactful dynamic in high school football I don't know if it I mean, it's probably across all sports, but in football in general, where it's like, all right, take care of the seniors. And especially in high school, you see a lot with some of the highest ranked or most wins, um, most wins high school coach, coach was coach, most winningest coaches in high school don't typically put out the most prospects, which is interesting when you think about that versus some guys, if you look and see who puts a lot of guys into the college ecosystem versus or gets guys scholarships that don't that, that doesn't have the same type of winning percentages a scheme can, a scheme can win for you in high school like you can 100 a, a scheme can run for you in high school and then yep 
Yep, a scheme can win for you in high school, and at the same time, yeah. I mean, at the same time, it's a level of that, I can't even call it system building, but, like, what's the focus, right? Like, just being right, up right. close and personal. Like, up close and personal, I know my dad's focus, even at Gateway, right? He never won an actual championship there. But based on what he built, like, all around, I, I, I would argue to say that it's probably more impactful than the places around the area that actually won championships, which is kind of interesting when you talk about putting guys into college giving them an opportunity to see, you know, the business up close and personal guys going to the pros and then got, and then the other coaches, like you said, the winningest coaches that, you know, put out a few guys here and there, but stack up the wins in high school at the same time. Right. Where it's just not really promoting. And it's just, it's kind of an interesting dynamic when you see that, because like you're saying that you were a 10 two guy that didn't play until high school. And it's just like, that was the culture, but that's like, that's the culture. A lot of places. I mean, one of my good friends here, uh, Steve Breston, he's a he's probably I would consider him the, probably the best player in the Western uh, Whitfield that I've seen up close or top three. I mean, you got Lavar, but um, he didn't play until like mid junior year, and it was like the program that they kind of had over there, and then it was like from there being the best. And it's just like, how does he not play, how's he not playing earlier? Why isn't that talent cultivated at an earlier age when you see special people, right? Because sometimes you do see these high school coaches that are system driven, like you said, where it's like, oh, it's about my system. South Lake Carroll, like, right? Like, I remember training some kids when I was in, living in Dallas, and they're running the same high school system in eighth and ninth grade that they're going to be running in high school. So it's not really about the individual. It's about the whole program. But that's a brainwashing or a thing of football, right? Sometimes. John David Booty was the, was the backup, I think, as an eighth grader because they ran the same stuff, and he was, you know, had the size. I mean, he was a – like, he, he went to a playoff game maybe with us. Nah, I mean, it's, I mean, it, I think it's interesting, right? Cause it's, I, I think it's the, it was the precursor to the beef of seven on seven coaches and high school coaches now, right? Cause it comes down to the influence that it has over the players. It's like, I, I don't need you anymore to get the college scholarship yeah, or I can go over here and have other advocates. So that's why you see a little bit of the beef there, but it's a controlled thing, but at the same time, you know, it's like the varsity blues story. <laughs> nah, nah. So when you first started getting recruited, bro, like, who was the who was the first offer? Oh, uh, ooh, Colorado. <laughs> Prime wasn't there, but yeah, yeah, interesting. Not not this one, <laughs> not this one right here, not this one at all. But yeah, it was a totally different Colorado, and then um, Southern Mississippi. Southern Miss. Mm -hmm. So you were uh, so you get your scholarship offer as a soft sophomore or junior year. Junior year was the first scholarship. I got four, I think. I think I had four by the end of by complete of my junior year. And so when did you know it was getting serious? I mean, obviously you get that offer. I mean, Tennessee's a pretty Tennessee's a pretty big that's a pretty wide gap between Southern Miss and Tennessee. Like, take me through that process from you getting the first offers to Philip Fulmer giving you a, a chance to come down there. Alabama recruited me the heaviest. Like they just they poured out everything. I think I had a letter from Alabama. I you'll get this. I stopped opening letters from Alabama mid track season my junior year. I stopped opening them. <laughs> Why is that? I just because it was one every day and it was just like, you know, it you know when they just start sending it repetitively and it's just everything. I just stopped you just stopped opening them up unless they looked a certain way. You know what I'm saying? Um but my dad kind of let me know because I was ready to commit to Alabama because that was the first SEC team 
that came at me. And I was, bro, I'm from Shreveport, man. Like, let's go. Like, whatever you got for me, I'm, I'm about to take it. And let's jump on, you know, let's go. Um, but they were in trouble at the time. And I didn't know that. So this was back, uh, see, the, the Alabama that I had was pre-Nick Saban. Way before that, you know. So um, they were trying to rebuild what they had, and it just wasn't the time to go to Alabama. I didn't know that. They were just the first SEC team that came. Um, then I went to a camp. So a coach from an assistant coach from my school at Evangel that we had just got um, went to Tennessee. He was like, uh, they got a camp up there, and if you want to go, I'd love to go back up there. I haven't been up there in a long time. Cool. We got the money. We paid for it. Me and like three of my homies, like that played on the team, bust up to Tennessee. Uh, we go to the camp. Here's something to any campers that listen. I um, it was a three day camp. Those real boy, those real camps. Those are real three day camps. <laughs> and it was this isn't a Nike camp. This is a camp at the University of Tennessee with Coach Fulmer and his staff running the drills. Very important. There's a difference between camps. And then going to a college camp, there is like it's no comparison. All right, so especially with that being you, said, like not to interrupt you, but with that being said, that is an interesting. That's a very valid point because with all the camps that are out here right now in the different circuits, there isn't anything more valuable than getting in front of a coach because it is a different workout. They're looking at different things. They're trying to break to see if you're in shape, and you can be an unknown prospect. And regardless if you returned a phone call from a writer or you got beef with somebody in the circuit. You and that coach, I mean, you get a chance to show and shine out right in front of them. But my bad. Keep going. No, you're good. 1,000%. They get to put you. You get to show them what you got. You show up in front of Nick Saban, 6'1", 205, and run a 4'3". It might not even matter if you played before. <laughs> this is true. So, like, you put let them put their eyes on you. So, we go to the camp. I go play DB at the camp because that's all I really know at this point. Like, I, I, I haven't really played receiver. I know how to run routes, and I know I'm fast. But this is this is after my junior year, right before I'm about to go overseas. Overseas for track. World Youth Championship. Okay. Okay, yeah. So you've got, so you got the elite sports thing going in a couple of different sports. So, like, with, you, with that being said, were you, were you like kind of excelling – not kind of. I mean, you're going overseas to run track. When you excelling in track, how how did you view football? Like, were you just were you still doing that for fun, or did you feel like you had a dreams of being Olympian? Definitely had dreams of being Olympian. Um, so where did football fit in? It became secondary by my junior year. Not like it just just as my junior year went because I didn't play. I was playing receiver sometimes, playing DB sometimes. Mind you. The biggest game we had in high school was Brock Berlin's state championship game when we played against West Monroe. They call it the game of the century. 60,000 fans in the Superdome. Okay. They started 60,000? 60,000. They started my little sophomore behind. Okay. <laughs> Out the blue. First game I played all year. They just started me because they had a receiver that could go. So they just throw my fat. But then again, I don't play. Right out there. Yeah, I don't play. I don't know how, you know, I, I don't play my junior year at corner. I don't start. I don't start at receiver. I'm just this fast kid that can go, but just out here. Okay. How'd that end up? Uh, let's go back to the camp. 
Nacho, I'll tell you. <laughs> Let's go back to the camp. So I get to the camp and I go play DB. They got us doing drills and stuff, and it's cool. And we don't really do any one on any type of competitive type of drills versus receivers or anything like that, though, in the first half because it's two it's two days for three days. Camp. Let's go to camp. <laughs> uh, um. So I get mad. I see a coach talking to a, a dude I know in the DB group. Don't know who this coach is. Just see him getting talked. Uh, see him getting talked to instantly. Triggered. Let's uh, like I am pissed off. Like how you not talking to me? I know I was doing. You know my mind. You know I'm not saying anything. I'm just like tripping. Like yo. So I don't go back to DB no more that day. <laughs> so I'm gonna show you. I went to receiver the second half of the day. I'm gonna leave you with this. We did one-on-ones. They asked me to come back to DB because I kept killing her. That's This is the day I got the scholarship. Day one, I got the scholarship offered out the three-day camp. Oh, so it was cake the rest of that? After that, after you get after you get anointed with the offer, it's like, it's easy money. <laughs> Chris Leak was there, the quarterback, okay. from, went to Florida. His receiver, that was the number one receiver in the country at the time as a junior, was also there. So it was a stack, stack with stacked with talent. They, and I'm an unknown person, but just dog, bro, at a camp in front of the coaches. So you the number one receiver. I got your quarterback throwing me routes, and I'm covering you. You are the measuring stick for me, and you don't even know. So for that, for all these things happening, right? So you obviously you had a competitive fire in you because you saw the kid getting talked to you, end up getting a scholarship right there at Tennessee. So let's transition into finish your senior year. You get to Tennessee, and it's like, all right, now you're back into another different, another culture, right? Because I think it's a benefit to work through those growing pains in a high school like system where you have to kind of get through and earn your chance to start. Like I started as a freshman day one in high school, day one in college. And not to say that it's, you know, that's like that was what people want, but I do recognize like there's a level of callous in working up a depth chart that I ran into certain points in my career where it was like a different, yeah. it puts you in a different mode. Yeah, it's like sure. a different, like I, I my back against the wall, like yeah, whatever, sure. you, we'll get to it later. You know, when I had the injuries with Spag and he put all that different stuff. But it's interesting because when you got the, Tennessee, man, you guys were loaded with talent there as well. So can you talk to me a little bit about that entry point into like the SEC, Tennessee, coming from somewhere like Shreveport, had a track background. You're going to a place, I mean, with a top track program at uh, Tennessee Volunteers on football and track. Talk to me a little bit about that transition in. Well, I was instantly a track guy when that when when that wasn't cool. Like that was tough. Like the entire so, time. like so you came in as the prospect was like I right, we don't know how what kind of skills he has but we know he's fast bro did you you supposed to be super fast like any any DB that like bro my first rep when I got there in the summer was against a linebacker that was already in the league right you know they want to show off because it's it's seven on seven in in the in the indoor facility where the boys is in town right and the and right, new right. cats just get here you know the vibe I'm talking about 100%. I get a linebacker that want to come cover me. Like, you know, they, everybody waiting to the foot, bro. As soon as I take my eyes from seeing the ball snap to see him, bro, his hand all in my neck. Yeah, I can't even breathe. Everybody laughing. I'm the little fast guy, dog. The little, bro, I'm 164 pounds soaking wet. Word. Don't word, miss word. me, though. 
Don't miss. I ended up starting my freshman year as a receiver at the end of the year. Really? Yeah. How was that? How that season end up for you guys? Bro, I almost said something I was gonna regret. Um, we went to a bowl game. Went to a bowl game. So it's one. Peach bowl. Guys, went to the peach bowl. You guys had you guys had talent, man. We'll jump a little bit too because we played we played uh, the Tennessee Volunteers my sophomore year. Ways that was probably Ways senior year. And I remember, man, I had a had a little bit of a breakout season my sophomore year. You know, we had some nice statistical games. I remember us throwing on the film, and they had Robert Meacham that year. He was a first round pick, ended up being a first round pick. And they turned on that joint. It was like straight highlight tape. I was like, man, what is this? Like three two fifteen. Right it all over the place, man. But it was interesting because we felt like you, t- you think about building an organization or building teams and just the identity that people will fall into, whether it's a high school head coach that leans on his system versus a high school coach that's like got talent that I'm going to put into college, into the pros or whatever. We knew coming into the play against Tennessee that like, all right, we got athletes, but I mean, we like, we just kind of prided ourselves in being tough and just sound and sound football. And so we played you guys. You were out there in different, you know, you guys played a good game. But at one point, it was just like the physicality of our running back, Tony Hunt, started wearing on you guys. What was the, what was just the perspective? I'm always interested in hearing, like, how SEC teams viewed Big Ten teams when we were about to come and play at the bowl game. Tony Hunt. Tony Hunt's the perfect for me for sure. Like he's the perfect, he's the perfect definition of Big Ten football. He is with Tony Hunt, Puzlowski. Uh, uh, <laughs> butcher my man's name, man. Puzz. Uh, Paul, my bad. He was a ball. Puzz, man. Just Puzz. call him Puzz. Say it for me. <laughs> Say it for me. Puzz loosely. Oh, right. I never would have said it like that. My bad. I didn't mean. I tried. I gave a good effort, but yeah, you guys were just the type of that's not going to wear gloves in the bad weather. He he didn't have gloves on in that nasty game. That was cold and rain. He just was out there just nasty, like he didn't care. Two hundred thirty pounds. See, like Foster was big for us, but like he was. I I remember he came to the Senior Bowl. I was mad. <laughs> but I had a gash on my face after the game, and I wore a visor. Like, I, I have no idea how I got a gash on my face trying to tackle him. I remember it was a physical game. I remember on the sidelines on the defense, we were like, oh, I think they quit. Like, mid-third quarter. Because it's like, you guys, had a lot, you guys had a lot of draft prospects. This is prior to guys sitting out yeah, of sure. bowl games. Because, like, if that, was, if that was today's age, none of y'all would have been playing. None yeah, of you guys would have been. Y'all might have been like 20 guys sitting out. Because they were all out there getting out the way. Tony was coming through. Bob, let me get out of here. He get just want to go straight, bro. He want to go straight at his speed. He don't, he, he don't want to go fast. He just want to go at this pace straight ahead. Oh, my gosh. No, nah, that just, I mean, I remember that bowl game. Because it just brought, not a lot of realities, but just the interesting dynamics of the different teams. Like, going out. Just, like, the vibe of the squads. Like, you guys had, like, a... Like, like, I mean, I'm gonna say like rap, like, like rap stars, but y'all was just kicking it. Like, y'all had sweatsuits. We had to be dressed in, like, just, like, whatever the case may be. Like, so going into, like, so you guys had like a lot of that influence. I mean, you're right outside of Atlanta or whatever. Bingo. So going into your pre draft process, take, let's, let's go into that a little bit. Like, what was your expectations going into that, 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 that interview process of the combine? Oh, let me take you where it started, bro. It started my fr- going to the bowl games, yo, as a freshman. 
Well, we used to show up to the bowl game. I can say all this now because it's it's like I'm out of school and yeah. stuff. But <laughs> that's what we talk about. We get some good content. Yeah. We might get some views out of it. You going, know what I mean? Let going, these people going as a freshman and pulling up like the moment, the night you get there because you're about to be there for a week. And uh, my first two uh, bowl games were in Atlanta, and we would stay at the out of former would put us at the hotel connected to Lenox Mall, like adjacent to smack together. The one like we don't go outside. We just go through the down the escalator and we in the Lenox Mall. Oh, oh my gosh. And so when we when you pull up though, the amount of like limousines and car services and agents and all of this that are just sitting outside dapping up people and ready to go take you out on the city as a freshman you don't know what you're looking at you just see the boys just hopping in and they they, they about to go kicking you you know you want to go and you know there's the beginning of it there's the that's that's real. I never even thought about that scene because that is a scene. Like it, it, you guys probably had a different scene at Tennessee than we did at Penn State because Joe was like he was anti agents. He was anti professional football to an extent, right? Like just like just what just kind of what it, it did for the whole program. He knew that we had special players that could go there, but like agents would they would have to get to him how they get to him. But with that being said, our first one was in Atlanta, and like you said, we had a lot of we we had a lot of high profile guys. But you start seeing the agents floating around. You see, you're like, hey, wait, getting bottles? They doing what? But that's like, because even for me, my, I mean, my agent, I, I knew him since I was like sixth, seventh, eighth grade, yeah. and like just like that process and how it goes. But it's always interesting hearing when that first glimpse is for a player because everyone talks about the high school recruiting process. But no one really talks about the agency recruiting process and like how much of an impact that part of your career or that selection has on the rest of your career, right? Because whether it's how you're going through the pre-draft process, how you're developing in the NFL, right? Staying on point and different stuff, making the connections that you need to make outside of the game. Just the transition point. It's a, it's a lifelong career. Yeah, it's a friendship that's supposed to last friendship. I mean, it's a business. It's a friendship, but it's a business relationship. Right. But this is somebody that a lot of people get introduced to three to four months before that time happens. But you're saying like you're introduced to the allure of just what that agent brings in the bowl game in Atlanta, hopping in the car service, getting the bottles, going to the shake, doing and all that start, stuff. And you start seeing these people now more frequent. Some of these same people live it up in Atlanta, show you that spotlight in Atlanta. And now just you start to recognize them a little bit more when we out in the club in Knoxville. Uh, so now I know you. Now, yeah. yeah. <laughs> now I see you balling. I see that play you made today. Yeah, yeah. You know now you now and it's this is two. They're grooming you. It's <laughs> like it's two three years in the making before you even got. But that's how it, that bro. It, it is. It's a and now you're you're looking at you're learning the agent process from this different way. Uh huh. Versus like what it's the purpose of it really is like later on. But that's how I was introduced to it at Tennessee. And that's it. I mean, because that's the same thing that that's the same recruiting tactics that they're going to use against high school guys now, because the same point of monetization of what they really want is the SRA at the end of your at the end of your college days. I mean, NIL money is a little bit here and there and then some guys get the big ones. Right. But a lot of it's trying to just kind of trying to show you the value that they have or the value that they can provide you. Right. But really we can get into the structure of the agent and them getting guaranteed money every year. But I, I mean, not that they shouldn't get their money. I feel like 
you should have to work for your money though, right? Like every year, right? It's not just a matter of that first contract. It's like, all right, what do I need to get better at this year? All right, if I'm hurt this year, how are you going to make sure that I'm healthy next year? Like support me throughout my whole way. And we know that that's a lacking thing for a lot of ages. I can't speak for all, but it's a, it's a growing concern because we'll get into all that stuff. But so when you're going through the pre-drive process, I mean, is there any critical changes, right? When you get, you sign with your agent, you're going through the pre-draft. Are you excited about the draft or are you just kind of living it up? No, I was excited about the draft. I was excited about everything. Um, I was excited about the combine. I was excited about the senior bowl. See, the senior bowl was going to be great for me. I'm a competitive person and I want to show you that I'm not who you think I am. You know that about me. Like I want to prove to you that I'm not this track guy. And if you're going to give me a stage where you have brought the best people in, See, to me, this is now a track meet. Okay. <laughs> yeah, this is a track meet. This is, I don't want to go to a track meet where the heat ain't at. I line me up with the best 10, the best eight. Let's put us all in the heat and let's go. Looking so, for the smoke. Yeah, okay. Smoke. Yeah, so you always had the competitive, yeah. That's my advantage because you're going to have to outdo me. Plus, I got this for whatever I need to bring out the bag. Um. So yeah, I was always excited, man. Um, I didn't stop. I didn't stop being excited until the draft. <laughs> I was just, just, just probably the draft. I was excited all the way up because I unfortunately started reading newspaper clippings, which was the absolute worst thing to do. Um, Pre-draft guys, man, stay away from that. Stay focused yeah, on your craft and just go it doesn't after matter. it. It just is. It just it doesn't matter. I saw people get paid. After, that got drafted after me. I saw people get paid before me, like meaning the timing of it before my contract. It's just, it just doesn't get matter. You just need to get your foot in the door and pray that you get with the right team, with the right system that can help you multi, like build your NFL game and give you time to do that and go ball. That's all you can hope for. I mean, that's so true, man, because like coming into it, like you, you want to be slated in a heat lane four or five so you can get some guaranteed money just in case. But that staying power in the NFL has so much to do with like the organizational structure, how good you guys are, what's your coach looking like, how did they really want you? Like did your the position coach want you? Was it a person was it a coaching decision? Was it a personnel decision? Because like in all that you kind of get mixed into it, right? So like yeah. these are some these are some real things about, you know, just throughout the football business. What would be the main, the most impactful lesson that you learned from like the football business and the realities of it from just college and the NFL? Mm. This may not be the most impactful one, but this is probably, this is going to be a good one for this show. Um, the way you study as a student is the way you're going to study as a player. Your study habits are going to show. If you study crappy, if you procrastinate, if you wait to the last second, you're going to do all that when you get to the league. Most that's, that's, that's real. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> that's, that's real. Like, if you, that's, that's real. I never. I, it's the same you, thing. 
Because we yeah. sit, we sitting in school too, you know, the entire time. What most people don't know, we only on the field two hours out of them eight hours that we there. Um, we're in class taking notes, and then, so it's just not only they're not giving you a lot of notes. It's the notes that you take that you now got to go study to. Like, you know, they give you the DVDs and stuff, but you have to like whatever study habits you have created throughout your life. This is what you're going to use to become great. Did you feel like you had? Sufficient study habits? Oh my gosh, to? no. I wish I was the way I am now. <laughs> like, I wish it. Well, I have no problems. That's But that's part of why I am the way I am with the kids. Right. Because I know, you know, some we can cut some corners if I can get some certain stuff into you tattooed in your mind right now. We can shave some time off. Oh my There's gosh. some certain things we can just shave some time off, man. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Blue Chip Academy. To help navigate the recruiting waters, LIG Sports Group put together a Blue Chip Recruiting Checklist. Download your checklist at LIGsports.com Blue Chip Academy to ensure you're making informed decisions through this process. Hit subscribe and check out the LIG Sports Group Football Ops and Recruiting YouTube channel, where we'll talk about the recruiting and other critical points in the football ecosystem. If you're feeling stressed, confused, or just want to help putting together a blue chip blueprint for you and your son, don't hesitate to book a console call with me at LIGsports.com backslash Blue Chip Academy. Remember, everyone has a different journey. Keep sharpening and remember that you can only go to one school. Just make sure that you have your blue chip blueprint together and execute it. Life is good.